Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. Happy 420. I'm feeling very Mauricio Umansky vibes right now. (laughs) This 420 looks a lot different than when we used to just like get high in college because now we are here debriefing two separate studio sessions that the Real Housewives had in this week's episodes. Yes, but the real news of the week, which I want to get into before anything else, is the announcement that Ashley and Michael Darby are divorcing. I cannot think of a headline that you and I would want to discuss more. I know. And it feels weird almost to be so happy about someone's divorce because I know in theory when they got married, it's not like this is what she wanted to happen. But after watching him for so many seasons and just knowing how much better of a person she deserves, I can't help but feel overjoyed. I can't help but feel like this is so the right move for the rest of her life. I feel so happy for her. I feel so happy for us that they're filming Potomac and we're going to really see how this goes down. And I feel like their marriage and the intimate details and sort of how they work are one of the most, I guess, out there for us to know about and that I feel like we have been the most involved in purely because she is so open and not afraid to share. So to almost know what goes on behind closed doors, I'm now really curious to see how this plays out. But you're right. It never feels good to be happy about someone divorcing. And when I think about my reaction when Katie and Tom announced they were divorcing a couple weeks ago and how sad and just like an end of an era I felt that was and how heartbroken I felt on behalf of both of them, I couldn't feel more different about this. I feel like she is turning the page, starting a new chapter. Like this is the Ashley Darby rebirth. The way she announced it officially was in very kind of Vicky Gunvalson, Joe Judice fashion, where she posted on her Instagram a link to bravotv.com. So what she posted, <laughs> right? Isn't that what they do? 
like, yeah, they do like some sketchy websites are paid to, but it did feel a little bit like that to see an article like, click the link in my bio, but she was doing it from a good place. So her statement to Bravo TV's Daily Dish read, quote, almost eight years ago when Michael and I said, I do, we anticipated sharing every single day together from that moment forward. Unfortunately, that's not our current reality. We've decided to separate. We are aware there will be many speculative views as to why we have made this decision. People will be quick to assume that the causes were too much intrusion by reality TV into the most personal parts of our lives, age gap issues, cultural problems, or child-rearing differences. Pieces of all of these may have affected our pure love for each other, but no one reason is the root cause of our mutual decision to go our separate ways, she said. We are now both at very different stages in our lives and have different goals for our futures. We both want the other to achieve true happiness and fulfillment and feel that we cannot do this together. While a romantic bond is broken, we will always love and respect each other. We also know that true happiness can only be achieved by continuing to work together and putting our hearts and souls into raising our two beautiful boys, Dean and Dylan. They will always feel loved and supported, for they were truly created out of love. As this is a personal matter for us, we appreciate everyone who has been a part of our journey and ask for your continued support by respecting us as we go through this emotional situation. I feel like it was interesting that she really started off by listing reasons that she felt people would think were the reason that they got divorced. I know, because I was like, wait, is that what you think we think, or is that what you think? Right, like a little bit of projection, but also self-aware queen. Like she knows what the people are saying, and she knows what they're going to say. And by the way, she has been almost entrenched in conversation about their relationship and reasons why they should or would or could get divorced for eight years now. So it's like, this is not brand new information. Like this is, she knows what what everyone is going to say. Yeah, I think that she is very aware of one, how this was going to be perceived, but also I've always felt that she was kind of playing the long game here. Yes, I think she initially did fall in love with him, but I don't think that she was blind to the criticism that other people had. I just think she was definitely playing the long game. She wanted to get herself set up. She, you know, was working out things logistically. And I think she's aware of her worth and there's just no way that her best life is going to be achieved next to this fucking asshole. He's honestly, I mean, I I really feel generally speaking, even when we dislike someone, we speak about them relatively kindly because it just like doesn't feel good not to. He is one man that I feel no desire to say anything kind about because I can't even muster up a good word other than maybe he has a nice accent. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice. That's like the game on Watch What Happens Live when Andy's like, say three nice things about X. You know, like when the housewives are fucking feuding. And they are like, um, she's a good mother. She has nice hair. And I liked her (laughs) shoes on one episode. But I agree with you. It's just, I don't care about him. And I love Ashley. And she's just such a like kind and nice and cool person that she deserves the world and I'm I'm just so happy for her and God am I happy for us that we're going to see this fucking play out. All I want to see is Giselle's confessional when she is like allowed to talk about the news or when and where she found out about the news and being like thank God I know. And also the thing about Ashley, and we've said this forever, is she is wildly transparent, like significantly more transparent than Giselle or than a lot of other housewives. Or anybody. Yeah, or really anybody. I mean, she really goes deep. And so, 
you just know she's going to give us the real details, as she has in the past. I mean, it's not like she ever shied away from conversation about Michael. She actually welcomed it. There was just only a certain amount of things she could say because she was married to the guy. Whereas now, I'm not saying it's going to be hateful, but I do think that she'll be open about some of the struggles. And I wonder if she'll sit down with the women and say, you know what? I always knew that what you guys were saying was right, but I I was in it for X. And I I don't know. I just, those conversations are interesting to me. Like imagine her and Karen in the backseat of a car when they're going to some event, like really getting into it. (laughs) I love when we imagine what it will physically look like on our screens, but I agree. She's going to get into the nitty gritty. That is one thing that I am not worried about. We are going to get it. You're right. This is like the best person for it to happen to because not only is her life going to get so much better, but she's going to use the show as a form of therapy to talk about it and almost work it out with the audience who's been along with her on this whole journey. Yes, that's what I'm saying. She is down to make her confessionals therapeutic. And to me, that is just such a wonderful quality in a housewife. So I'm again, I understand divorce can be sad. However, for this particular situation, I am just so happy that she is no longer going to be by this man's side because God, is she leaps and bounds above him in every sense of the word. Who would you set her up with? Any like celebrity or I don't even know, would you think would be a good match for her? That's an amazing question. Holy shit. Honestly, not necessarily as like end game, but I want her to be with someone fucking sexy. Like just, yes. I want her to, you know what I mean? Like I want her to have a fling with an objectively really sexy NFL player or baseball player or basketball Jason player. Just somebody. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, whoa. <laughs> but yeah. But even if it's just someone who's not necessarily that famous, but has a good setup and is just really sexy, like I want that for her at least temporarily. And I think she's going to get it. She's a fucking she is, catch. She's a catch and she's very chill. She's very open. She's non judgmental. I, I don't know. I, I think she has a very bright future ahead of her. And I'm personally thrilled to be on this ride. Well, Ashley Darby, if you're listening, just know that we are manifesting and rooting for your hookup with many a professional athlete. Yes. Amen. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. 
And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. So when we were doing the Summer House recap last week, at the very end, we said that in the preview for this week's episode, we saw Carl and Lindsay sitting at the table and he said something to her about her bed, but we couldn't quite make out what he said. And we got so many DMs of people being like, I rewinded that preview as well and I couldn't make it out either. So now we know they're sitting down together having breakfast and he says to her, I was shocked to not see you in your bed this morning because she slept in Danielle's bed. And when Lindsay asks him where he thought she was, he says, I kind of maybe thought Ahmed or something. And in his confessional, he says, Lindsay's my best friend. I want to support her and her to be happy. I give her a lot of credit for trying to date and putting herself out there, but I also realize they're probably not the right guys. Which keep in mind, I know we've said this this entire season, they have to film these confessionals after the fact. So he's saying all of this knowing that they are now dating. The whole thing is wild and the editors know what they're doing because there's like funny moments between the two of them that maybe wouldn't have been kept in before, or maybe we just wouldn't have thought twice about, but they are there. And I feel each week more and more that we are building to this moment. And with their commentary in hindsight, it all just makes sense. And I think based on the trailer and I think just timeline wise, Amanda and Kyle's wedding is when something goes down or we're going to see some form of a conversation. And I'm watching this episode. I know we have this exact thought process every week, but I'm watching this episode and then I'm on Instagram and Lindsay and Carl are like posting from their Easter trip together to Florida or something to see each other's families. And it's truly incredible to see. And I'm just so happy for them. I know. And I am so anxiously awaiting, forget the first kiss. I don't even need all of that. I'm just saying the first little acknowledgement that something is there because I've always said, I think that in the back of Lindsay's mind, she always still had that thing for Carl. I don't think it ever fully went away. However, I believe her wholeheartedly when she says, you know, she really puts her heart in with whatever guy she's with because she believes so strongly in love and she wants this to happen. So no part of me thinks she wasn't fully trying with other men because she thought Carl was going to happen. Not at all. But I think somewhere in the back of her mind, whether consciously or subconsciously, that desire was always there. And Clearly, a lot of factors contributed to just putting them together. What's really torture, though, is like, I think they'll both be back for next season of Summer House. I think. I I don't know. But let's just say for all intents and purposes, they are. We have to wait until like the premiere next year to get that confessional of Lindsay saying, so... 
Carl and I, after Amanda and Kyle's wedding, realized that we're just meant to be. And now we're in love. Like we moved in together, like giving us the full background story of how things changed or we hooked up on X day and we've been together ever since. And I know she'll give it to us. It's the same way we are just sure about Ashley Darby. There are some things you know, and you know, Lindsay will give us the dirty details. So to know that that is somewhere and that like, we're not going to get it until next season. I mean, maybe they'll do press and talk about it. Honestly, we should just ask her because I need to know. But it, I can't, I just, I want to see. I want to see everything. It's funny because on Monday's episode when Julie and I were going over Rihanna's Vogue interview and she was explaining how her and ASAP started because they were such close friends and then it kind of just transitioned. And Julie made a comment like, we were so focused on figuring out how, Courtney and Travis got out of the friend zone that we didn't even think about ASAP and Rihanna. And I was like, well, yeah, because I just never expected that we would get those details. Whereas I knew the Kardashians were coming. So I knew we would get the Courtney and Travis details. And that's honestly how I feel about Lindsay. Like if you go through my pop culture desires in terms of wanting to know how couples went from the friend zone to like romantically deeply linked, probably going to get married, it's Travis, Courtney, ASAP, Rihanna, and then Lindsay Hubbard and Carl Radke. And there's not that much <laughs> of a space, honestly. What an elite club to fucking be in. Yeah, for real. Anyway, so I'm glad we have that figured out and we finally knew what he said about the bed. But as far as I'm concerned, the main event here is the final dinner with Kyle, which we can get into in a few minutes. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so moving on to the Lindsay conversation, which naturally segues into the dinner, obviously, because it's all about the same topic. But as we know, this starts out with the continuation at the winery, and it's just Amanda and Lindsay one-on-one. And that I can get on board with. Like, I hated the way it went down at the table, but when it's just the two of them talking to the side, I at least can believe the authenticity in trying to get something resolved. That feels not malicious to me. But then we go from that, which was starting to be kind of productive, or at least Amanda understood how wrong it was to bring it up in the entire group. And then, you know, a few hours later, they're at dinner and Lindsay again is in the hot seat. And I feel like in the past, we have been critical of Lindsay and the way she handles things, but this was so undeserved and unwarranted. And honestly, I found the entire thing to be really out of pocket. I really do believe that their intentions were not to embarrass her necessarily, but They are lucky that she is as strong as she is because if not, somebody in this position could have crumbled the way that they were talking. It really made it like, oh, what are we going to do about Lindsay? And my therapist always says it's like one of the worst, yeah, right. It's like one of the worst things you can do to a person when you make them feel like everyone together saying, what are we going to do about you? There's a difference between wanting to offer your help and almost treating it as an intervention and then making it as if it's like this group discussion that they've been having without you. And that was shitty. What the disconnect is, is they are treating her like, oh my God, Lindsay's really gone off the deep end. And from Lindsay's perspective, she's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I'm having a great summer. I'm single. I'm trying to figure it out. And she feels good about where she's at. It's not like she feels like, oh my God, I'm doing all of these regrettable things and I feel so bad about my decisions. She feels great. So the contrast here is like, we are not even on the same planet. And the way that they're treating her is really like she is being so destructive. Look, is Amanda as her girlfriend allowed to pull her aside and say, I just want to make sure you're good. Like you're, you know, you're giving your heart to a lot of people. I don't want to see you heartbroken. And if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here for you. Fine. But to keep bringing it up and make it like there's this huge issue and like to have an intervention, it's so unnecessary. And it's like, if you're really her friend, you pull her to the side, you say what you need to say, or maybe behavior you're observing, check in. Amanda's not wrong in that. And that was what I think in her heart she was trying to accomplish, but did it in the craziest way possible. And also it became a group activity. And then this dinner, again, to put Lindsay in the hot seat to have to explain herself. And then Kyle, to bring up her miscarriage, I need to ask you this though, because I've seen this everywhere. There's a conspiracy theory going on, which before we get into it, I need your opinion on this. And anybody listening, please weigh in as well. Okay. So as you know, when Kyle says that you can't actually see his face and initially you see Danielle put her head in her hands and you say, Maya say like, Kyle, not right now. And Lindsay says, maybe don't scream that in a restaurant, but you don't actually see him say that. So a lot of people online are saying this was an editing situation where he didn't actually say it in the moment. What, where do you stand on that before we get into it? Because I just want to acknowledge, I don't know what's right or wrong. I believe that he did say it, but I feel like we need to at least acknowledge that because it's everywhere. I feel like even out of context, that's, there's just no way that that sentence or soundbite was said in an appropriate way, even if they are at a restaurant, no matter what is going on, like that there's just literally to me a 0% chance that it was done in a any way that was appropriate. But I also feel like from an editor perspective, that is not something you just like throw around as a soundbite. It's not like something you add in or take out of context. Like that is a huge thing. 
And also, I think we kind of see their reactions. I would have to rewatch it, but I just think in any part of this conversation, Kyle bringing it up is so inexcusable that I I don't even honestly care if it was an editing thing. And maybe they'll bring it up at the reunion and discuss it. And him even mentioning that at all is, it's just, it's not okay. Especially when the whole vibe of this is like pile up on Lindsay. There's no world in adding that in is is useful at all. Like she doesn't need to be reminded. Nobody at the table needs to be reminded. It doesn't need to be a discussion. And also they're in public. She's at, at on vacation trying to have dinner. This is, it's just, no, it's a no for me. It's a no for me too. I mean, Kyle's behavior at this dinner was so repulsive to me. Honestly, it was so unappealing. Like I was really trying to put myself in Amanda's shoes for a second because I, I, I don't mean to sound like such a bitch. I just, I, I was really trying to put myself in Amanda's shoes because I just could not imagine being attracted to a man that behaves in this way. And for so many different reasons, like Lindsay thing aside, he was completely out of line. The way he handled that was disgusting. And by the way, we don't need him weighing in about this at all. Honestly, even privately, I just don't think that it's the conversation that he needs to be having with Lindsay, first of all. Second of all, and I recognize that this is a pet peeve of mine. So if I'm reacting to it a little bit more strongly, let me at least acknowledge my bias. I cannot stand when people start listing all of the stressful things they have going on in their life as a justification for why whatever they're going through is more important than what everyone else is going through or why they can act in the way that they can act. To me, it's like you are allowed to be completely overwhelmed by what is happening in your life. And I can have a lot of grace for you in that regard. But you do not get to, one, make that as an excuse for the way that you treat other people. And second of all, you don't get to downplay what everyone else is going through just because you have stressful things. Because by the way, you don't never know what anyone else is going through. A lot of people may be dealing with things internally and they just don't act in the way that you act. So when he started to go down his list and somehow make it as though that was his ethos for why he could behave in the way that he could behave, I genuinely was sickened from that. Like, it is such an unappealing quality in anybody, but specifically a man. It really, really rubs me the wrong way. It was so annoying. And I felt like out of everyone, I, ha- I again, I have to watch each person individually. But to me, Maya felt the most fed up with that and kept saying like, everybody has shit going on. They were all like, you are not the only person in life who has struggles, but somehow most people are able to behave themselves, be nice to their fiance and not have temper tantrums at a dinner table every single night, screaming at people or getting too drunk. It's not okay. And I'm a big believer in like your own problems can be huge to you. It's not a comparison game. Everyone has issues. You know, some people have bigger, some have smaller, but your own issues are your own issues. And he was trying to almost one-up everyone in that I have the most going on and I have the most pressure on me. It's a lot of pressure on me. I get it. Pressure can make you crack. It's a lot going on. I understand that. But it's not an excuse for your behavior. And I think he feels like that's his get-out-of-jail-free card is to pull out that he has a lawsuit and all this money issues and that their florist pulled out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And okay, great. That does help us understand your mind and understand where you are at in this moment. But it's not an excuse. Everything about this dinner 
is the bulleted list of issues that Kyle has, truly. It all came out in this one dinner. It was the worst reflection of him. And I really feel like that's why Amanda broke down because every true color of his that she has such an issue with was popping out one by one in the couple of hours that they were sitting at this one table. Uh, Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I know he's done shitty things in the past. And if you actually list them, I'm not saying this was the worst. I'm just saying personally, I was the most turned off by this. And I I think it was in Jen Atkins' book that she talked about the concept of hustle porn and how for a long time she felt like, you know, posting about how busy you are and how many things you have going on and how you have no time to sleep, you know, was actually motivating. And it was a good thing to publicize. And she realized that it was this concept of hustle porn where you had to prove that you were the one hustling. And she stopped doing that, whatever. It's a longer conversation. But Kyle, to me, is so in that. It's like he really has this constant need to prove how much he has going on in his business and how much he's accomplishing and how hard he's working. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to share that. But when you do it in a way that's not only condescending, but is also a deflection to like the other shitty things you do, I'm sorry, I just can't get on board. And then, when he hits his hand on the table and you hear the glasses clank and then he gets up and leaves and you see Carl go try to talk to him and say like, listen, you know, for the girls at the table, that that's, that's a trigger. That's an immediate no. And Kyle can't wrap his head around it. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I grew up with my dad, who's one of the most gentle men I've ever known, or, or it just in general, if that's very... Uh, jarring to me. But to do something like that and to then not even have any awareness as to why people would react negatively, it's very upsetting. I feel like I'm getting weirdly serious about it. It's like a fucking episode of Summer House, but I just can't explain to you how much this scene rubbed me the wrong way. And we got an inbox from someone saying that they agree Kyle's behavior was really shitty, but that Luke was making too big of a deal about the talking. And I agree with that. Like, yeah, he was trying to get his point out. I like Luke just as much as the next guy, but it is. It's a large table. There are side conversations. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Maybe Kaya wanted to use that as the justification for why he got upset. It doesn't matter. It's not about whether or not he was right about people talking over Luke. It's about the fact that regardless of what is going on, for you to behave like that in a public setting is so gross. Oh, the biggest problem is that Kyle does absolutely nothing to change. It's a vicious cycle where he behaves this way, he's full of regret, and then he drinks more, and then he gets more stressed, and it's rinse and repeat. And he doesn't stop drinking. He doesn't try and figure out these issues. He doesn't talk things out. Like It is frustrating for me as a viewer just to watch. So to imagine being friends with him or living with him and also being engaged to him is like so – I can't even get into it. But like POV, you're Lindsay – I know we say that funny sometimes, but like literally POV or Lindsay sitting at this table, let's say he did make the miscarriage comment. For him to sit there and give this checklist of why his behavior and why his outbursts are appropriate to justify making a comment like that and really embarrassing you and betraying your trust and privacy like that, I would be like, absolutely fucking no. Just no. Like sitting there, getting that like punched in the gut. I felt so much empathy for her that moment for not only how frustrating that must feel, but then to hear him try and justify it, a no. It's a no. The other thing, though, is regardless of who was 
confronting Lindsay about, quote, her behavior, right? Even if it was the person that had their shit together the most. So let's say this is somebody, I'm just speaking hypothetically, that's in the most stable relationship and has their job going exactly in the way that they want. Like maybe someone like Danielle, which obviously Danielle would have never done this because it's her best friend. But if I look at the table, Danielle's in a pretty stable spot in her life right now. I know she's doing this startup, so she doesn't feel as secure in her job as she once did, but whatever. I still wouldn't find that to be justifiable to, you know, talk down to Lindsay in this way. However, somehow it's a little bit more upsetting when it's coming from fucking Kyle. It's like, who are you to be commenting on the way anybody else is living their life? Because you have not been on a successful streak with your fiance without her being understandably upset by your behavior in a very long time. And there's a list of other reasons that you make people feel like shit. It's, oh, I hate talking about someone like this because I don't believe, I genuinely do not believe Kyle is a bad guy. I really don't. Like, I don't think he's some bad, malicious person. I just think the lack of self-awareness and having to watch him as the viewer repeatedly hurt people, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah. I like don't even want to talk about him anymore. It's exhausting. This, like, honestly, I had such a strong reaction and I watched the episode the first time when I was kind of falling asleep and then I watched the scene again, like, with a fresh head just to really make sure that I was processing it in the way that I was. And it really, imagine like you're out to dinner with your group of friends. Like these are your very, very close friends. And one guy just, he can never keep his fucking cool. He's hitting his hand on the table. There's glasses clanking. Like you're trying to enjoy one of your last weekends of the summer. And because he has his own anger issues, you can't. It's so unfair. And oh, I can't. Yeah, it really took over. But I will say we got a lot in this episode. Like I was entertained from start to finish, really. Just oh, overall. Like I think it was a really full episode, which I appreciated a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I've i appreciated every single episode of Summer House so far. I mean, I feel like we've gotten so much. <laughs> like you said last week, like, yeah, this is a really good show. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really good show. It's like when we hit, like, I forget, whatever, some follower milestone on Instagram. And Julie was like, I feel like people are really liking our account. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is there anything else from this episode that you wanted to mention? I, I, was, I didn't mean to get so – I hate being like that. It just – it really pissed me off. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about these shows is it brings up a, a lot of, like, real-life dynamics and behaviors, and it gives us such an opportunity to – dissect people and see it from different angles. Like that's just, I don't know. It's kind of just what happens. Aren't you embarrassed if you're Kyle that Carl is your best friend and he has just behaved in such like a menschy way? Like here's yeah. this guy. He's such a stand-up guy. He's cool with everyone. He keeps his composure, you know, and this is your literal best friend and you just constantly are being talked to him on the side because he's trying to clue you in as to why your behavior is wrong and potentially like jarring to the women in the room. It's like, Come on, dude. I'm excited to hear him have to speak for himself at the reunion. But again, like I said, he could say anything he wants. And then I have no doubt that next season we would see similar behaviors. Like he is the definition of a leopard doesn't change its spots. I know. And I will continue to give him the benefit of the doubt because like I said, I don't think he's a bad guy. And I think that with a lot of therapy, he could change. But I guess I should say I look forward to the change because right now I don't see it. Right. And also, like we've said before, we're only getting a highlight reel. We're getting an hour out of a full weekend where they have to pick and choose the most interesting things. Of course, they're not going to show us the moments where he's being lovey-dovey with Amanda or just having a good time and being, quote, normal. So we don't see that part, which I know is existent. It's just not – doesn't make the cut. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, <laughs> I really do wish them the best. Like I want them to have this happiest <laughs> life together because I and I and I adore her. I think she's so special, and I want her to just be so happy. And I hope that she has it with him. I genuinely do. This is not like an Ashley Michael Darby situation where I'm praying, you know, that the marriage last, doesn't last. Obviously not. I want them to have a long life together of happiness. But I just feel like something really needs to change if that's going to happen. At least from what we see. Yeah, for sure. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of the Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take yada yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join. Same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices. So I actually want to start out this next Jersey OC segment with something Melissa said when she was on Watch What Happens with Jackie, because her, Andy, and Joe, since Joe was in the audience, were kind of talking about the reunion a little bit. And Andy says to her, have you spoken to Teresa since the reunion? And she said, no. And you could tell she was serious. And Andy kind of nodded as if to say, like, I get it, you know? And then they later go on to make a comment about Louie and Andy says, you know, I actually think he handled himself really well at the reunion. I think that he understood what was coming for him and he was trying to make Peacemaker. But remember we said, I guess last week or two weeks ago when Dolores was on Watch What Happens and her and Andy said this was one of the worst reunions of all time in terms of being the most intense. And Andy said, this felt like OG Jersey. And we said, that definitely means it was a familial shit. That's that's 100% what it was. For sure. I mean, the conversation kind of happened. They were playing a game, and he asked, who have you spoken to more since the reunion? And she immediately said Margaret. And then he followed up with the, have you spoken to Teresa? And there's obviously a reason why he would ask that and prompt, like, what has the aftermath been since the reunion? I don't know. It's going to be a mess. I mean, truly, and this season wasn't bad. It just is, it's a mess. Like there's not that much going on. The dynamic is a little weird. Teresa is too stubborn and Margaret will not let it go. It's like the group is very divided. And I feel like you're right that you said this previously. One of the big issues is that Margaret, Melissa, and Jackie are really a united front. Melissa is stuck in the middle and nobody wants to go up against Teresa except Margaret. And Teresa's completely not interested in it. So there's almost no wiggle room. We're really stuck in our places. And poor Tracy, I feel like she's really trying. And I think she felt like, I'm not scared of Teresa. I'm happy to go against her. It just, It's just really not working out for her. Yeah. Listen, she's a sweet woman. I have nothing against her. I just don't think this shows for her. I, I, I just think, and that, listen, how do you know until you try? You got to come right. on. You got to see how it's going. She didn't take away from anything. I just think there's a certain personality type and somehow she's not fitting the bill, which is unfortunate because I really enjoy Tiki. <laughs> yeah, I know. I also, I think sometimes it looks a lot easier than it really is or like real life doesn't necessarily translate. You have to really be a character of yourself and 
it, it just, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't work, but I'm not mad that she's there by any means. No, I'm not mad. I just feel sad for her because I don't think it's the experience she wanted. But yeah, I want to go back to what you were talking about with the lack of wiggle room. This is my question, honestly. As Jersey goes forward, I'm not in the camp of like Teresa needs to go. I Even though she's highly problematic, I think that she's just a reality television treasure and I would love to see more seasons with her. And there's actually no one on the cast, I guess with the exception of Tracy, that I think should leave. I love all of these women and I enjoy watching them. But something has to change in order for the storylines to become slightly more complex because right now we're going to be in the same situation for forever. If Melissa is never able to go up against Teresa and say what she actually believes, she's then shooting herself in both directions because she's constantly going to have an issue with Teresa. And she's not that she's going to have an issue with her friends because like I said last week, they get the situation she's in, but she's never going to be able to have the authentic conversations you want her to have as the audience because she's so concerned with the Teresa blowback. So it's like, we got to add someone else into the mix where all of the focus isn't on this. I know it's really hard. Like, do we need more of Teresa's friends? Do we need to get rid of Melissa and then therefore Margaret and Jackie? I, I don't know where it falls. I hate when these shows get to a sort of fork in the road where decisions have to be made and they have to cut out people that maybe are interesting or that fans love in order to keep the show breathing in a way. It's really hard. But I, this episode especially, I felt like we are not getting potential out of any of them. Like Jennifer, is this episode didn't say a word. It's all about these filler scenes and just trying to keep the group together on this trip. And again, I'm not trying to watch the husbands all the time, but their funny dynamics are way more interesting. And it's like, we need a little bit more of that. Wait, and by the way, I didn't even think about this when we were just having that conversation. Also in that similar vein of one, Melissa and Teresa being sister-in-law. So there's only so much drama that could be had there. I know previously that wasn't the case, but in this new era of their relationship, then Margaret, Jackie and Melissa obviously being so close. So no real tension is going to arise there. But then on top of that, Dolores and Teresa having this deep loyalty to one another to the point where even on Teresa's worst day, Dolores is never going to really call her out. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, I'm starting to feel like the like actually authentic loyalty is maybe clouding the ability for drama, which may feel a little bit hypocritical because I know something we talk about a lot is how much we love the authenticity. Like, you know, with Atlanta, for example, we love how these women are actually friends, but I don't know, some, something, there needs to be a slight rejuvenation. But And, and by yeah. the way, to be clear, I will watch this shit until it is burned to the ground. Like nothing is going to make me stop watching Jersey, but I'm just feeling like we need something. And I would love people, if you're listening to this and you want to DM like suggestions that you think, not that we have any power, but just because I'm curious, like what you think would potentially help fix this plateau that yeah. I think most of us are feeling. Right. Like what is the answer here? Yeah. What is the answer? I don't know. Bring back Caroline Manzo. I don't think she'd <laughs> ever do it. Imagine. I mean, Teresa would be out of there faster than you could even say Caroline Manzo. I know. I mean, listen, in this terms of the actual episode, really the only thing worth discussing is the last few minutes where Teresa does this kind of apology and they all react to it. And it's like, <laughs> I agreed with what everyone was saying. No, yes, it was, a, it was a bullshit apology. She didn't apologize directly to the person that she threw the shit on. However, like Joe Gorga was saying, she was never going to. And it's not like you should qualify someone's behavior necessarily in terms of their past. Like, I don't think someone's threshold for how far they're willing to go should necessarily factor into like how they are in the scheme of what's right. But you do have to be realistic at a certain point. 
Right. Like she gets a pat on the back because for Teresa, that was a huge apology and such a big deal. But in the big scope of things, like that was absolute bullshit. But because she's, quote, come so far and used to never even, would never even consider apologizing, the fact that she was able to get this out was such a big moment for her. It's like, it's just again, it's just Teresa and everyone is okay with being like, oh, that's just Teresa. That's just the way she is. That's how she operates. And Margaret is like, what do you mean? No. Like how does she get a pass for everything? And it's true. She does get a pass for everything. And sometimes just the way the cookie crumbles, no one's saying it's fair or right. It just literally is what it is. Right. It's just like, if we want her on the show, we do have to accept the fact that she will never change. And I guess that's a decision you have to make as a viewer. Like, are you down for that or not? It's Teresa's world and we're sort of living in it now. Right. I mean, we, we've we been living in it, which is typically not something that I believe in as like a philosophy. I just don't really know what else we do because I don't know. I mean, no wiggle I know people, room. No wiggle there's room. There's no wiggle room. Yeah. And I'm split on the fact that I do kind of think in a lot of ways she's the backbone. But then I'm on TikTok and I'm reading the comments and it is so split. Some <laughs> people are like, she's got to go. Some people are like, the show would be nothing without her. And so it really does seem to be split. I don't know. I don't, And I don't know what's right. I don't either. Anything you want to mention for Mosi? <laughs> the only thing actually that I had seen a lot on Twitter was how people were really happy with Emily sitting with Gina in the van and being like, you need to have this conversation. And also like, you're kind of wrong because it felt really like a genuine friendship where it, you can call someone out and say what needs to be done and say like, you were acting shitty in this way instead of the usual like alliance bullshit or just tiptoeing around it. And I, I feel like that's what we said from the beginning is that I love seeing the two of them be legitimate best friends because it only helps the group environment. Yeah, I think that it's important, given the fact that they are such close friends, for them to call one another out when they were actually in the wrong. And like I said last week, the way Gina handled that entire thing was just <laughs> factually incorrect. I mean, it was just rude, even though I'm not a Noella fan. I, I did not like the way that went down. So I think it was important that Emily said that. And also, I don't know, the thing that was happening with Shannon, as I said last week, I just feel was kind of misplaced and slightly bizarre. And I'm not saying that Shannon is by any means perfect, but she was not deserving of the shit that was coming for her. And I was really happy that she kind of stood up for herself when she was having that conversation with Gina. I didn't feel like she just let Gina criticize her. I think that she was receptive, but she also stood her grounds. And I appreciated that. Yeah, for sure. Last thing was just the most uncomfortable moment, which I guess is just appropriate to (laughs) tie this thing in a bow. Jen making like a speech toast about how her and Ryan had been in a weird place and that she was grateful to the group and he wanted to evaporate into thin air. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I I like Jen and I definitely find him to be um, not the most appealing, but it's still, it's, it's still your partner. Like if you are turning to him and saying, I know you're going to absolutely hate this. Why do it? Like, I just think when you're with someone, you have a responsibility to act, to not actively do things that you know will make them uncomfortable. And I, I, there's almost a part of me that feels she like gets off on him being slightly uncomfortable. I don't know. It's all weird. It's all, it's all fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the reunion will be great. I just don't even know like what I'm going into the reunion wondering about. Not like I'm not like, oh, I'm so excited for them to address this or hash this out or bring up a receipt or something. Like I literally don't know what I'm gonna watch. I don't even know what they're gonna talk about. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. You think the husbands will come out? I don't freaking know. I love a reunion, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited. It's just usually I have a little bit of a roadmap or like unanswered questions that I'm excited to see. And I just feel like, okay, I'm going to watch. We'll see what happens and it'll be done. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see, talk about something that'll be interesting is the casting for next year. Cause I have to imagine they're going to at least add one new person or, oh, you know, for sure. Tamara Vicky return. Who knows? Not off the table. I feel like. It definitely took a couple steps forward from last season, which anything would be steps forward, I think, really. Once you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. But we're not there yet. There's hope. I see light at the end of the tunnel. We're maybe a little bit closer, but we're certainly not there yet. And at least we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I can be optimistic. At least the reunion doesn't look like Miss Darbus's play from High School Musical. (laughs) Thank God we are past those days. Thank I mean, you Lord. think we're about to go into the Oster reunion and I'm not going to bring that up? <laughs> oh, Absolutely God. not. It haunts my uh, dream. You can't just mention Miss <laughs> Darvis out of left field. <laughs> you know, everyone says like nightmare blunt rotation. Yes, yes. Appropriate literally. for 420. Nightmare blunt rotation location. The OC reunion from last season. <laughs> no, never forget. Oh, my God. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Wow, that's funny. Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I feel weird because I feel like there was a lot of uh, negativity this episode, but I was just, I don't know, we were being honest about our feelings about what happened, right? It's okay. It was kind of like a Debbie Downer week of episodes just in terms of the content or in the quality, but it's heavy. They're not always not always diamonds and rosé. <laughs> but it should be. Wait, I will say, okay, this is an observation because I am doing my Vanderpump Rules rewatch and then also watching Summer House. Mm-hmm. When you watch Summer House, you're like, how do they drink and party so much? Like, oh my God, they have, you know, they're going out night after night. They, whatever. They don't even hold a candle to Vanderpump Rules. Those, I, I have never seen anything like it. They, the stamina on these people, they make Summerhouse look like they are literally the grandparents in Willy Wonka. I know. And it's because for Summerhouse, we always forget we're only seeing them for the one weekend. It's a two, three-day tops thing. Whereas Vanderpump, that was their lifestyle every single day. And they were working on a daily basis in an environment that was so alcohol-centric. It's really, it was, that was my revelation of the week. So thank you for joining me on that. I, lo- I love your revelations of the week. <laughs> Okay. Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And Julie and I will see you for Kardashians. Then we'll be back next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is 
almost you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.